Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Gaia. I'm 16 years old, and I'm probably the most beautiful girl you will ever meet in your life. For this reason, I'm extremely popular at school. Everyone has heard of me, and everyone wants to be my friend. My teachers literally worship the ground I walk on, and the principal lets me get away with practically anything. But school is just a small part of my life, considering that I'm already one of the most popular models in my state. I have over 200,000 followers on Instagram. A huge fan base, if you ask me. I work part-time for a modeling company that sends me to different countries to model. I've flown first class more times than an ordinary person can hope to fly economy. The best part about this job is the free stuff. I get designer clothes, shoes, bags, perfumes, accessories, you name it. All I have to do is walk around with my awesome stuff and continue being breathtakingly beautiful. It probably seems like I have the perfect life, right? Wrong. There is something about me that I rarely discuss with anyone because it makes me feel bad about myself. I have never gone on a date. In fact, I've never even had a boyfriend. Guys pretend that they like me, they talk to me, and then they suddenly disappear, leaving me confused and heartbroken. Even the nerdiest girl at school has a boyfriend, and well, I'm just here. It doesn't make any sense at all. I should have guys fighting to decide who will get to take me out. But instead, I spend my weekends and evenings alone in my room, avoiding my mom and ugly older sister. When I'm not traveling, that is. Last year, I almost went out with a guy called Drake. He's a senior at my school, and he's like the male equivalent of me. Totally gorgeous. I'd get butterflies if I thought he was in the room next door. One day, he just walked up to me while I was studying in the library. You're too beautiful, you know. Are you sure you're from this planet? He said. (laughs) I giggled like a total idiot. Well, I could say the same about you, I replied. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, but I was sort of afraid. Do you have a boyfriend? He asked. No, I replied. Oh, great. Um, I mean, okay. You seem like the kind of girl who has many guys to choose from, so I didn't think I stood a chance. Could I have your number? I thought this was finally my chance. I gave him my number without thinking twice. That night and for many nights after, we stayed up until two in the morning talking to each other. We got to know each other really well. He was so funny and charming, but I was sad that I only got to see him at school. I wanted to experience my first date, and even more, my first kiss. But that was not about to happen. One day, Drake just stopped replying to my messages. When I saw him at school, he would pretend he didn't see me and walk the other way. I tried to ask him what was wrong, but he refused to talk to me. This was my first real heartbreak. Imagine having your first heartbreak before your first date. Pathetic, right? Anyway, I felt much better when I met Brad at one of my modeling shoots. He went to a school nearby, and he was an intern at the same photography company that was taking my pictures that day. After nearly throwing his camera on the floor several times because he was so nervous, he finally got the courage to talk to me. I follow you on Instagram, and I think you have some wonderful pictures on there. Here's another one you can add, he said while showing me a picture he took with his camera. Hi, thanks. I blushed shyly. It really was a good picture. We spoke briefly that afternoon, but later he sent me a message on Instagram. Hey, gorgeous model, what's your favorite food? He typed. Pizza, I replied. Well, I know this really good place downtown. Would you like to go out to get some next Saturday? He said. Sure. What time? I wrote. We decided to meet at seven in the evening. Although it was a whole week away, I was so nervous. We spoke a lot, and as time went by, I felt more comfortable with him. When the day finally arrived, I spent the whole morning planning my outfit. 
By the afternoon, I had changed my mind about what I wanted to wear and had spent hours trying to figure out something different. Then I had to do my makeup. At 6.30, I made my way downtown to the restaurant. I walked in and looked around. He wasn't there, so I sat down and ordered a Coke. Almost one hour later, he still wasn't there. I was angry. He stood me up. How could he do this to me with no explanation at all? What the hell? Where are you? I texted him. There was no answer. I went home and cried. At 10, he still hadn't replied. The next day, I was hoping he would have sent a long apology and explained what happened. Maybe he'd gotten into an accident or something like that. It had to be something serious if he was completely ignoring me. He never answered. Was I ghosted again? At this point, I felt there was no hope for my dating life. Was something wrong with me? I'm beautiful, so I knew it wasn't that, but did I smell bad? What was it? Why would no guy take me seriously? And why would no guy take me out on a real date? It was Sunday, and I decided that I needed to do something to cheer myself up. I put on my gym outfit and went running near the park. Experiencing a runner's high was just what I needed. I wanted to feel the wind on my face and to worry about nothing at all. After running for about half an hour, I began to think about Brad again. While I was distracted with my sad thoughts, I tripped over my shoelaces and fell down. I hadn't even realized they were untied. I hit my head really badly and it felt like it was bleeding. I could taste the concrete. Hey, are you okay? A male voice said. Obviously not, I replied without looking up. He reached for my arm and tried to lift me off the ground. I turned my head and in an instant, everything was perfect in the world. Staring me in the face was the most handsome guy I had ever seen in my life. He had brown hair, brown eyes, very fine features, and an amazing body. Here, let me get that for you, he said while reaching into his backpack. He pulled out a cloth and began to wipe my face. Don't worry, it's clean, he said. When he was done, he helped me get to a nearby bench and sat next to me. So what are you doing here running all by yourself and falling into the arms of strangers, he said. Well, I was really sad about my date not showing up last night. I really liked him, and he's totally ignoring me right now, I replied. I don't know why I was telling him all of this, but it just felt like I could trust him. What a stupid guy. Well, he doesn't deserve you if he treated you like that. If he was serious, he'd make sure you knew that you were very special to him. Anyway, I'm Samuel. It's lovely to meet you. What is your name? He said. I thought for a while and realized that what he was saying was true. Besides, I wasn't thinking about Brad anymore with this fine specimen by my side. My name's Gaia. It's nice to meet you too. Enough about my problems. What are you doing here? I asked. Well, same as you, I guess. I used to go to the gym, but I changed my routine a bit. Now I go jogging every morning, he replied. We sat there and talked for what seemed like hours. When we realized it was getting too late, we exchanged contact information so we could stay in touch. We spoke constantly each day. He became more than just some guy I'd talk to. He was a dear friend. I told him almost everything. My thoughts, my dreams, what worried me, and what made me happy. He spoke to me about everything, too. We never got to see each other, and I was hoping that he'd finally ask me out. There was no better person I could imagine myself sharing a first date with. I began to imagine all the possible scenarios. Should we go to an amusement park? It'd be fun, but we'd hardly get to talk. Should we go to the movies? We could get cozy in there, and maybe it would set the mood for my first kiss later. Or how about a simple stroll by the sea? He'd hold my hands, tell me he loved me, and oh, it was just too much to imagine. The day finally came. I had just gotten off my bed one morning and I was brushing my teeth when I heard a notification on my phone. I picked it up and it was a text message from Samuel. Hey, sweetie, would you like to go to watch a movie with me tomorrow night? It said, yes. I replied with way too many exclamation marks at the end. Oh my gosh. I thought he's going to think I'm desperate. I was so excited. I started thinking about what I'd wear and what we'd do after the movies. Suddenly, these happy thoughts were quickly destroyed by doubts. What if he ghosted me just like the other two guys? What would I do then? I needed a plan. I decided that instead of allowing him to ghost me like the others had done, I would show up at his house three hours before the movie. That way, he would have to go out with me even if he changed his mind. There was one problem, though. I didn't know where he lived. There's not a problem that technology can't fix. 
I thought as I grabbed my phone and scrolled through his Instagram pictures. Jackpot! I shouted. There was a picture of his two dogs in front of their house. The location was visible, and although I couldn't see the exact address, I had a pretty good idea of where the house was and what it looked like. The next day, I was determined to have a perfect day. I called Samuel to make sure we were still on for later. He said yes, and the first few hours of the day flew by. When it was time, I left home and went to search for Samuel's house. It took a good half hour, but I finally found a house which matched the picture. I walked up to the front door and rang the doorbell. A little girl opened the door and stared at me with eyes wide open. Whoa, you're so pretty. Will you be my friend? She said as Samuel approached. Gaia, what are you doing here? How did you even find my house? Uh, You know what? Never mind. Come in, he said. He looked so happy to see me. When I was inside, he introduced me to his parents and went to get ready. Well, since you're here early, I guess we can do something before the movie, he said. About 15 minutes later, we heard the doorbell ring. I'll get it, shouted Samuel. He was already ready. I followed him to the door, and as he opened it, I had the fright of my life. Standing in front of us was the most massive man I had ever seen. He was dressed in black and carrying a huge gun. I came to deliver a message to Samuel. Listen very clearly. If you continue to see Gaia, I will have to hurt you. Stop talking to her now and you will be safe. If you do not listen to my warning, you will have a serious price to pay. He growled. He then slammed the door and walked away. I was so confused. Who was he? I had never seen him before in my life. I decided to run after him to get some answers. When I finally caught up to him, I grabbed his arm. Who are you? Why did you threaten the only guy I really liked? I cried. You aren't supposed to know this, but you have some very dangerous people in your family you've never met. They are the ones who have been paying me to do this. I will continue until you are 18. It's only then that the complete truth will be revealed to you, he said and calmly walked away. Now it all made sense. This monster had been chasing away all my potential boyfriends. I ran back to Samuel's house to tell him what I found out, but the door was locked and they wouldn't open it. I had no choice but to go home all alone. I was gone for five minutes, but five minutes was always enough for them. When I went back to the table where my boyfriend Mike and I were having coffee, I saw some girl who I didn't know sitting in my chair. She didn't seem bothered by the fact that my purse was hanging on the back of my chair at all. What about Mike? (laughs) He didn't seem to have any idea what was going on and was smiling like nothing had happened. It pissed me off. I wasn't ready to put up with another stranger this time, so I decided to act in the spirit of a typical bouncer. I walked up to her, grabbed her by the hair, and dragged her aside. Ouch! The girl screamed. What are you doing? Help! I was attacked by a psycho! You'll know how it is to hit on my boyfriend. A shocked Mike froze and decided not to interfere. Finally, I let go of the girl's hair, and she ran away so fast, she should be in the Olympics. Everyone in the cafe looked at me with horror. She was messing with my boyfriend. As if apologizing, I said and returned to the table. Hi, my name is Katie. I'm a little jealous, but I can't help it. My boyfriend is incredibly handsome and graces the covers of many fashion magazines. Mike was 17, and he was already working at a very famous modeling agency. He participated in fashion shows, starred in commercials. I do not know what he saw in me, but it was love at first sight. I had just moved to a new school, and I was already head over heels in love with the handsomest guy in the world. That's usually how an unrequited love story starts, but I got lucky. Mike came up to me one day and said, Would you like to go to the movies? I was taken aback, but still squeezed out of myself. Uh, Sure. And so we started dating. Yeah, some would say I found my happiness, and I kind of agree with that, but it wasn't that easy. Mike was never alone. He had girls around him all the time. At school, in class, at the modeling agency, cafes, movies, the playground. It was as natural for Mike as breathing. I was suffocating with jealousy, but that was just the beginning. In and out of school, I was always near him. I was more or less calm about Mike, but when he went to Paris for a week, I started going crazy. 
and with eyes red with fatigue, I was 24 hours a day monitoring his social media. And God forbid there was a girl in the picture. And then Mike was back and I was happy again. As for the cafe scene, yeah, I lost my temper a little bit there, but it's understandable too. Once we were supposed to do a biology project. When they started announcing couples, I had my fingers crossed. I wish it was Mike. I wish it was Mike. Miss Morris, meanwhile, announced, Katie and Rob. Oh, shit, I blurted out, but quietly. Miss Morris continued, Mike and Tiffany. It was comparable to a knockout. Tiffany is the captain of the cheerleading squad and just a walking stereotype of the school beauty. After class, I went up to Miss Morris and tried to protest her decision. But all I got in response was, Your opinion doesn't matter here. Rob, who had been standing beside me the whole time, said, Are we going to work on ours? I let out a sigh of despair and nodded affirmatively. Rob was over the moon, and I noticed that he liked me for a long time. When I found Mike at recess, I asked him, Where will you be working on the project? Tiffany invited me to her house. Cool, I think they have a hot tub. I tried not to show, but it was hard. Not only was Tiffany beautiful, but she lived in a huge mansion where she was allowed to do whatever she wanted. Her parents worshipped her like a deity. She could do nothing but dance, though. I tried to start from afar. Look, is Tiffany even good, do you think? Kind of, Mike answered briefly. And she can dance. I think so. I couldn't help but blurt it out. Do you think you could fall in love with someone like Tiffany? What? What's your point? Just answer it. I don't think I want anyone but you. I smiled, but it didn't make me feel any better. Tiffany had her eye on Mike for a long time. I knew that for a fact. She'd told her friends in the locker room once, if I was dating Mike, we'd be the prettiest couple in school. Well, that's not going to happen, I whispered. What? Mike asked back. I said I love you. I love you too. It was project day. We had to do an experiment on a live mouse and find out how the reward system worked. This required building a small cage and a cheese dispenser, like in the textbook. Generally, I loved biology, so I was sure that Rob and I would have no problem, especially since he was a straight-A student. I invited the guy over to my house. Rob showed up an hour early and brought a bag of chips and a Coke. We started working on the project, but something inside me was rebelling. I couldn't concentrate and reread the textbook page by page just to understand it. I couldn't stop thinking about Mike. Knowing that he was in Tiffany's house at the same time was excruciating. Rob, meanwhile, had finished the cheese dispenser and asked how things were. Great, I lied. But, you know, let's put it on hold for a while. But we have to turn it in soon. We'll make it. I wanted so badly to go to Tiffany's and take a peek at what was going on to put my mind at rest, but I didn't want to go alone either, so I lied to Rob again. Look, there's just one thing we're missing here. We need to go somewhere and get it. Why don't I run home? Rob suggested. <laughs> don't be silly, I said, and we went to Tiffany's. I didn't know what to do yet, but I was determined. Mike is a great guy, but he doesn't know how to say no. He's too cooperative, and who knows what can happen when he's around a girl like Tiffany. I knew where she lived beforehand. I guess I felt like I couldn't take it. So there we were. The house was really big, like the kind of mansions where old reclusive aristocrats live, or vampires who lure young girls there. At that moment, Tiffany herself was the kind of vampire I needed to get rid of. Here we are, I told Rob. Wow, is this Dracula's residence? <laughs> That's funny. Rob was embarrassed. All we have to do is sneak in through that window on the second floor. What? I thought we were here for a detail. Yeah, that's where Tiffany lives. And while I'm looking for the part, you're going to ring the bell and pretend you're an encyclopedia salesman. But she knows me. We're in the same class. Trust me, she has no idea who you are. Okay, fine. But I don't like it. I patted Rob on the shoulder and climbed up to the second floor, gripping the gutter tightly with my hands. It was pretty high, and I didn't want to fall down and die right here in front of Tiffany's house. As I climbed onto the balcony, I looked down and waved to Rob. He waved back. I waved for him to go to the door and ring the bell. 
The guy left. I opened the door and went inside. Everything in Tiffany's house looked pompous and expensive. Marble floors and stairs, huge chandeliers, paintings on the walls. Yes, a vampire lives here for sure, I whispered to myself. I walked down the long hallway. I didn't know exactly where the terrible Tiffany's lair was located, where she lures naive, handsome guys like Mike. At that moment, Rob rang the doorbell. I barely had time to hide behind the curtains. First, I saw Tiffany come out of the room, and then I saw Mike. He came downstairs too. While they were gone, I slipped into the room. There was a mouse cage on the bed and a textbook next to it. Well, that doesn't mean anything yet, I decided. We need more information. I couldn't think of anything better to do than hide in the closet. A few minutes later, Mike and Tiffany returned. Rob is a weird kid, Mike said. I've never seen him before, Tiffany said. He's in my class. I still haven't figured out why he came here. Okay, let's keep going. Let's. Where were we? Something that makes you feel good. Ah, that's it! I couldn't take this betrayal anymore and jumped out of the closet. I knew it! Tiffany shrieked in horror and rushed over to Mike. You're in love with Tiffany! What are you doing here? There was no face on either of them. Watching you cheat on me. But we were just working on a project. I heard everything. Where did you settle on? What makes it fun? I mocked Mike ineptly. That's part of the experiment. You have to give the mouse food to program its actions. Without pleasure, it won't budge. There was an uncomfortable pause. We can't go on like this, Mike said irritably. What are you talking about? Your paranoia. But no, Katie, it's over. Mike, not wanting to hear my excuses, left the room. I guess you can find your own way out, Tiffany told me sarcastically and ran after Mike. I came home depressed. I couldn't believe Mike had left me, all because of Tiffany. Who am I kidding, my inner voice said. This was all my fault. Why did I have to go to her house? I knew Mike would never lie to me, but it was too late. I woke up with the distinct feeling that I had to get Mike back. But how? Thinking about how to get my boyfriend back, I had completely forgotten about my project with Rob. Thankfully, my classmate had done it alone. I found Mike and Tiffany at school, standing at their desks, talking. I went over to the girl. Oh, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to barge into your house and act stupid. What else do you call someone who doesn't trust her loving boyfriend? Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay, Tiffany replied. I went back to Rob in the mouse cage. Both of our projects got top marks. I didn't have much to do with it, though. But I promised Rob I'd go to the movies with him to see his favorite sci-fi movies sometime. Cool. The guy was happy. After class, Mike came up to me and said, as if nothing had happened, What a hassle with these mice. Try to get them to run a maze for a piece of cheese. You did it. So did you. He took my hand and walked me home. Of course, my jealousy didn't magically disappear. But at least now I wasn't sneaking into other people's houses and punching the next girl who fell in love with Mike. Beauty requires sacrifice. What would you do if all the girls at school were in love with your boyfriend and tried to take him away from you? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends. Mrs. Dunn, I can't let you in. The head of the mansion's security said sternly, blocking my way to the helipad. He used to be good to me. That's right, I'm Mrs. Dunn. It's my house too. Get out of my way or I'll fire you. I didn't even think I could be so bossy. Your husband said that you are deprived of your right to property. It is true, temporarily. This square cretin coldly rapped out and smiled disgustingly. You want to know why it all turned against me? Well, okay. My name is April. And this is the story of how I married the ugliest but richest guy for his money. I freaked out and went to the garage, where my faithful personal driver was always waiting for me. But the driver refused to drive me too. He just looked at me in disappointment and said that after what I'd done, he wouldn't even let me get in the car. But we're friends, help me. I pounded my fists desperately on the limo glass. Mr. Dunn is my friend, too. I never imagined that you could hurt his heart so much. The driver shook his head and turned away. Well, 
I don't care. I'll take a cab myself. While I was hailing a cab, it started pouring rain, and they wouldn't even let me under the roof. Everyone in the mansion hated me. Although having lived in poverty for a long time, I imagined life in the mansion as something fabulous. You think this is going to be a story about a poor gray mouse that no one noticed? No, it wasn't quite like that. That's the thing, I've always been beautiful. I didn't have any money for makeup, but even without it, guys liked me. In fact, it was for my natural beauty that they valued me. But our life is not a love affair. Beauty doesn't matter to many people, if you don't have a scent. First of all, my terrible worn clothes ruined everything. Even the guys who liked me didn't dare go out with me because they'd just get laughed at. Secondly, my mother worked as a janitor at school and was strict with everyone. She was always trying to protect me, but it didn't help because I was an outcast for the rest of high school. I had a hard time getting into college. It was there that I finally began to feel like a normal person. The students didn't pay as much attention to my status. I realized this when all of us, poor and rich alike, gathered for a student initiation ceremony. There were several hundred of us in the gym. Everyone was having fun. And then paint came pouring down from the ceiling. It was really cool. Then the senior men handed out water pistols. We poured water on each other. And student life would have been fine if I hadn't, out of habit, avoided people. I had only one friend, Ellie. I was blowing guys off because I was ashamed of myself. But then there he was, my future husband. There was a rumor going around college that Dylan Dunn was going to appear in person at the session. All the girls were excited, and some of them even changed their looks to get attention. Ha, <laughs> Dylan Dunn. Is that shirt for Dee Dee? That is so ridiculous. I was amused by his first and last name. But Ellie didn't share my humor. This is the son of Alan Dunn himself. Someday his designs will eclipse the glory of Apple. So that's what this is about? Is it all about the money? I didn't even try to hide my disappointment. He is a millionaire, and he must be so handsome that our athletes can't compare to him. No one has ever seen him before. Indeed, Dylan was not on any social network. The mysterious millionaire. And there were a lot of rumors flying around about him. Some of the girls even suggested that Dylan and his family were mysterious vampires with unimaginable wealth, like in Twilight. But the guys were only leaning towards one theory, that Dylan Dunn was just a rich jerk. And then the day X came. Dylan arrived at the college in a fancy limousine. Everyone was shocked. The limo door swung open all by itself. The girls gathered around in anticipation to see how the handsome man would step outside and the sun would sparkle on his cold, pale skin. All these dreams were shattered by amicable laughter and whistling. Out of the limousine came a guy as ridiculous as possible. Nickname Dee Dee suited him perfectly. He was unnaturally thin with long bleached hair. Instead of a classy, stylish suit, he wore stretched, shapeless clothes. On the first day, Dylan was named the ugliest guy in the entire college. But you know what surprised me the most? The girls still ran after him. I don't get it. It's about the money again. I was pacing around my friend's room, fiddling with a pillow. People don't care about your looks as long as you have money. Ellie calmly watched how the contents of her pillow were flying all over the room. And you think that's normal? I hate greedy people. April, relax. My friend even stood up. Why does that worry you so much? Because I've never held more than a thousand bucks in my life. I've never had any money. And greenbacks ruined my life in high school. Everybody's so obsessed with it. They forget about humanity. And then I noticed that my friend's entire room was like covered in snow. I destroyed all the pillows. The worst part was realizing that secretly, I wanted to be rich too. I told Ellie one thing, and in my head I kept thinking about the fact that I wanted, for once, to feel what it was like to be rich. And soon, I had a chance to find out. In front of a pair, Ellie caught me in the hallway and took me aside. Dylan likes you! Her eyes lit up with excitement. Why would you think that? He looks at you in that way! And half the girls in college want to kill you for it. That's ridiculous. I turned away and suddenly bumped into Dylan. 
The weirdo stared at me without blinking, and then he held out his skinny hand and smiled. Oh no. Or, oh yes. What should I do? My head simply shut off at this moment. It's not just a guy, it's a millionaire. If I reciprocate, then all my troubles will disappear on their own. I would have money. On the other hand, I didn't want to stoop to those who chase guys for money. And Dee Dee, though a ridiculous freak, is still a human being. I couldn't do that to him. And you already know that I couldn't resist the temptation for long. It all started with gifts. Dylan didn't dare give them to me personally. He'd toss them to me, or give them to me through the guards. And he himself watched me closely from a distance. At first, I just ignored the gifts, and then I started giving them back. Dylan, don't waste your money and my nerves. I don't want anything from you. I'm sorry, but you are not my type. I returned the unlimited membership to the best spa center in town that he'd given me. Dylan said money was such a small thing. The most important thing is a person's soul. And then he added that he could see he wasn't my type. But he didn't understand that, because other girls are not repulsed by his looks at all. I had to tell him the truth, and I told him honestly that for a purse full of millions, they are ready for many things. I know, he answered with a smile. That's why I like you. Accept my gift. It's from the bottom of my heart. You barely know me. Why all this? Dylan said that I was the only one and that he really liked me. Me? Oh, look, what a beautiful bird. I shouted and ran away like a complete fool while he was looking in the direction I had pointed. My head was filled with all kinds of thoughts. I didn't like Dylan at all, but he liked me. What's more, he is willing to shower me with money just for talking to him. And that's when my head exploded. I started talking to Dylan. And then I started pretending that I liked him. And the more I pretended, the more generous he was. It's true, I had to transfer to distance learning. It became dangerous to be in college. Dylan's admirers gave me hell. Of course they thought it was because I was beautiful, so the main blow fell on my appearance. They pelted me with all sorts of nasty stuff and ruined my clothes. But the most cringeworthy part was ahead. They grabbed me and put a lot of self-tanner on me, and one of them took out a hair clipper and shaved me bald. I ended up being a bald bronze statue. But Dylan didn't turn his back on me and started spending even more money on me. And then we flew to Paris, and he proposed to me right at the top of the Eiffel Tower. I couldn't refuse. It wasn't out of love. But I tried to kid myself that getting married would make him happy, and me, rich. Everyone will remain on the plus side. Ellie didn't approve of my position. That is so low. I don't believe you will do that. You're the one who disapproved of the pursuit of wealth, and now you're one of those dolls? She didn't even look at me, turned her back to the window. And then she continued, you're taking advantage of him. I can't believe my friend has turned into such a monster. And we had a fight. She didn't even come to my fancy wedding. Now I was fabulously rich, but that didn't make me any happier. Money didn't warm my soul. And the longer I lived in Dylan's mansion, the worse I felt. Everyone here adored my husband for his kindness. Already at the age of 19, he was contributing huge sums to charity. What's more, as it turned out, he used to be handsome. Dylan ruined his own looks to show everyone that beauty is not the main thing. And he loved me very much. Everyone at the mansion respected and appreciated me, but no one knew what a snake I really was. The situation worsened when I realized I was falling in love with my husband. That's wonderful, you'll say. No, it's a total fiasco, I will answer. At least I used to be able to lie and play my part. But the warmer I felt about him, the harder it was to deal with my conscience. I wish I'd told him the truth right away, but I didn't. I don't know how he found out, but maybe Ellie did. Dee Dee drove away, and I was left in a mansion with people who hated me. That's why I was waiting for a cab in the pouring rain. I knew where Dylan was going. That's why I followed him, to tell him how I felt. Dylan, I love you for real. I couldn't hold back my tears, and I hugged him, but he pulled away. Why should I believe you? You're such a good liar. 
Dylan, I'm ready to lose all the money. I'm ready to go back to that trailer where I spent my entire childhood, as long as you forgive me and believe in my feelings. You don't have to give me a dime for the rest of my life, but I want to be with you. This conversation went on for a long time, and Dylan said he'd give me another chance, but now everyone would be watching me closely. I paid the price for my greed by losing people's trust, lost a friend, and almost lost my husband. There's only one conclusion to be drawn. Greed ruins lives, turning people into animals. Have you ever succumbed to greed? Share your stories in the comments. Like this video and send it to your friends. Hello everyone, my name is Susie and I will tell you what it feels like to not taste anything at all. I never thought that that was possible in real life, but it turns out that it can happen to anyone. But first things first, it happened one spring day. My older sister and I were cycling in a park not far from our house. In general, I can ride a bike very well, and apart from that, I have quite significant experience in it. I've been cycling since I was six years old, but something went wrong that day. I wanted to show my sister how skillfully I could get from the curb to the road on a bicycle, but because of the wet road, the wheels began to slip and my bike fell down along with me. I could not manage to control the movement of the bike, so I collapsed to the ground and hit my head on the curb really hard. My sister Melody immediately rushed to me, but I lost consciousness. I came to my senses a few days later in the hospital. My head was bandaged and there were a lot of sensors and doctors around. My mom was also present, and when I opened my eyes, she couldn't hold back her tears. It turned out that I had quite a serious head injury, which really scared all my loved ones. That day, it seemed like the worst was over because I finally woke up, but in fact, my biggest ordeal was yet to come. My mom, being happy that I was recovering, wanted to feed me with some tasty homemade food. As soon as the doctors gave the green light for her to do it, Mom rushed home to bake my favorite strawberry tart. And finally, the long-awaited piece of tart was in my hand, and I was eagerly taking a bite of it. But suddenly, I faced a terrible disappointment. I couldn't taste anything at all. Then everything was like what you'd see in a movie. My mom was sobbing a lot. Doctors were fruitlessly examining me and trying to find the reason for this. And I was crying into my pillow every night so that no one could see it. It turned out that when I fell down and got a head injury, some neural connections in my brain were damaged and I lost the sense of taste. Doctors were shrugging and saying that it would take some time and more thorough examination was required. Although since then, a little more than a year has passed and I still can't taste anything. It makes my life unbearable and gloomy. I do not enjoy the food that I eat at all. As a result, I have a poor appetite. I lost weight and started having problems with my immune system due to the lack of vitamins. Doctors prescribe me a bunch of dietary supplements, which I always have to carry with me and take some of them on an empty stomach and others after meals. My classmates began to make fun of me because in the school cafeteria, I always had a pile of bottles with me. But then they found out that I couldn't taste anything and began to make experiments on me, adding a heap of salt or chili pepper to my food. My life began to seem dark and gloomy to me. I became more withdrawn and did not want to talk to anyone. There were days when I did not want to go to school at all and I came up with various pretexts to stay at home. My performance worsened, although before I had always gotten good grades. In short, it seemed to me that the whole world was falling apart around me and this was all because I had lost the sense of taste. At such moments, only reading could save me. I prepared a large cup of hot tea for myself sat down by the window with a pile of books, and plunged into the unreal fantasy world to escape from my earthly problems. Yes, I did not sense the taste of tea, but it made me feel warm. Once, quite an ordinary morning began as always, with the bullying of classmates, but suddenly something happened that deeply struck me. One of my abusers, his name was Michael, suddenly began to intercede for me. Before that, Michael was absent from school for several days. Why is he protecting me? What happened? Before, he used to mock me just like everyone else did. These questions were spinning in my mind like flies, but I couldn't find an answer to them. It even seemed to me that he had some tricky plan for me to get my guard down and then hurt me again three times harder. 
A week had passed since that day, and none of my classmates were bullying me any longer. I was so used to being an outcast and a loser in our class that at first it felt totally weird that no one offended me. Later, Michael came up to me and asked to go to the end of the corridor, behind the stairs, where it was possible to talk face-to-face where no one could hear us. Well, finally, I thought and followed him. Michael said that he had been absent because he had a sore throat, so he needed to take sick leave. When he was ill, he wasn't able to taste anything for several days, and during this time, he understood how horrible my condition was. He felt ashamed that he had been mocking me and realized that it was not my fault that I suffered from this ailment. He asked me to forgive him and said that he knew how to help me restore my sense of taste, but for this, he needed a little time. After this conversation, I started hoping that I would become like everyone else again. My mood improved, I began to smile more often, and I felt a desire to live. About a month passed since I had that talk with Michael, and he invited me to go behind the stairs again to have a word with me. There, he showed me a small vial with green liquid inside. When I asked what it was, he replied that it was a healing potion, which his grandma, who was a healer, prepared specially for me. Michael said that I should drink it exactly at midnight and then immediately go to bed without talking to anyone. Although I never believed in healers, I did everything as he said. When I opened my eyes in the morning, I immediately rushed to the fridge to try something and see if I could taste anything again. The first thing I found was a watermelon. I eagerly bit off a huge chunk, but then I was disappointed because everything remained the same. At school, I told Michael that the potion had not helped me, but he comforted me and assured me that I had to wait and the effect might not occur right away. I fastened on the hope, catching it like a lifeline, and just started waiting. I believed with all my heart and soul that the sense of taste would surely return to me again. But soon, a miracle happened. One of my classmates gave me candy. I took it reluctantly because I still didn't get any pleasure from it, but I didn't want to offend her. Without much enthusiasm, I unwrapped it and bit off a piece and instantly sensed the taste of milk chocolate in my mouth. I could not believe it and started eating more and more of it. Now, I don't know what helped me get my sense of taste back. This could be thanks to the potion given by the healer, my faith, or because of positive thinking. Whatever the truth, with the returning of taste to my life, it acquired fresh colors. I felt complete again. I wanted to study and achieve my goals. This situation showed me that those who we consider our enemies are not always soulless and cruel. Sometimes they're just ordinary humans who are under the thumb of others and they do not want to stand out from the crowd. Apart from that, I realize that not every diagnosis is a verdict. How important is your taste for you? Have you ever thought about its role in our lives? Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... My alarm rang loudly and woke me up in the princess-like room. Oh my god, I'm late for school! The maid quickly helped me change my clothes, wash my face, and massage my arms and legs. She took me to the dressing room to select my bags and jewelry for the day, but in a hurry, she accidentally dropped a pink Rolex watch worth $50,000 to the ground. I'm so sorry, my lady. I reassured her and whispered. (laughs) Let's just say I dropped it. Then I reached for my bag and threw the broken watch in the trash. Fiona, my mean sister, saw that and took a photo. Look how little Miss Spoiled threw away this expensive watch! Ugh, not again. Hi, I'm Brittany and I'm 19 years old. As you can see, I was born into the richest family in England. My dad was a famous politician and my mom was a phenomenal pianist. They were very busy, so it was usually just me and Fiona at home. However, we have distinctly opposite personalities and Fiona always looked for ways to mess me up. Contrary to Fiona, who always obeyed our parents' every word, I was the rule-breaker of the family. Not to mention, I love racing. Even if my mom disapproved of my passion and forced me to learn piano, I still found ways to participate in many races without her knowing. Once, when I was in a big race and was almost in the lead, the road split into two ways. 
Because I knew that area very well, I knew the left road was a shortcut, so I quickly went that way, but suddenly, the car appeared right behind me and was hot on my tail. However, the driver lost control of the wheel and crashed into a nearby fence. The collision wasn't too serious and he seemed fine, so I decided to continue the race when suddenly he called out. Wait, don't leave me! I immediately braked the car and ran out to see if he was injured. Were you really about to leave me alone? Duh, you look fine. And it's your fault for not knowing this area and yet dare to go after me. Because the road was empty and very few people passed by there, <laughs> I had to let him into my car or else he would have to stay there all night and never be able to reach the destination. After putting him in the car, I continued my race. All the way through, he kept hmm? complaining that my racing style was too reckless. Jeez, what a bother. I shut him up with a tissue in his throat, but still, due to his disturbance, I only finished in third place. You're probably the coolest girl I've ever met. I'm David. Whatever. The fact that two riders finished the race in the same car was so unique that it quickly became the media hot topic. Not only that, my sister also started skipping school and followed me to the race to take pictures of me as evidence. The pictures were quickly handed to our mom and as a result, I was punished for my disobedience and for participating in risky races. However, Fiona suffered the same fate and was grounded for skipping school. That made her hate me even more. Fiona always acted hostile to me because only one of us was assigned to take over the family business someday. It was her biggest ambition, although I was indifferent about it. Since she loved money and power so much, marrying the son of War Petroleum Corporation's chairman would surely strengthen her position and she was looking forward to it. Knowing that the engagement was already on the way, I guess Fiona's wish would come true soon. One day, my family invited the family-in-law to dinner. Fiona was so overdressed that if I hadn't known better, I'd say she was going to greet the US president. When the family arrived, I was startled. It was David, the lame guy who was in the race with me the other day. He's the son of Wall Corporation's chairman. During the meal, my dad introduced. Hi David, this is Fiona, your future fiancé. <laughs> but I'm more interested in your second daughter. What the heck? That's lunatic! I immediately kicked his leg. However, after hearing David's unthinkable wish, my parents still agreed to rearrange the wedding. <laughs> Humiliated and angry, Fiona immediately left the place. I couldn't help but ran after my sister to comfort her. Do you like David that much? No! I hate you both! Stay away from me! Fiona brushed me off and stormed away. Great, now I would have to deal with that madman alone. When I returned, I dragged David to my back garden. Listen you, Nene, I don't want to marry you. Why not? It's a win-win for us. You seem fun, and God knows we both hate arranged marriages like this. <sighs> so David also didn't want such a marriage as well. He proposed that both of us should pretend to accept our family's wishes to hold a wedding, then we would throw caution to the wind and mess it all up. What he said sounded quite intriguing and beneficial indeed. Fiona didn't seem to be fond of David that much, and if I did as David said, my sister hmm. wouldn't need to marry someone she didn't love. Then, when I gave up the inheritance, she could have it and everyone would be happy. Let's wreak havoc right before the wedding day. Deal? Deal. After that day, David and I were scheduled to go on dates and sometimes the destination was an amusement park. David hired a paparazzi to accompany us to take pictures. He was asked to capture our most childish moments, like when we were posing as ghosts in a haunted house to scare the guests or pretending to be sharks to tease children at the water park. Everything we did was to embarrass our families. Honestly, those pranks with David put me in high spirits. However, our little plan seemed to be backfire. Little did we know, another paparazzi had recorded our family moments and spread the news that we were dating. Immediately, my family confirmed the information and announced that we were about to get engaged. That sucks! The only thing I wanted to improve was my relationship with my sister, but it didn't work. From the day David rejected her, Fiona was rarely at home. She started partying wildly, much to our parents' disappointment. It made me feel guilty too. One windy night, I drove to the beach and tried to distract myself from my life problems. Are you okay? Hearing David's voice, I burst into tears because what I did might have hurt Fiona. He patted me and tried his best to lift my spirits as he got me some ice cream. That was pretty cute and attentive of him. Maybe I liked him more than I thought. But before I told that to David, I needed to make sure Fiona was okay first. One day, I went to find Fiona at her friend's house. That place was reeked of alcohol. 
Ugh, I tried to help Fiona, but she kept insisting on me to play truth or dare, or else she wouldn't come home with me. Jeez, I had no choice but to listen to her. I dare you to hide in the closet with my buddy Pete. I hesitated, but Fiona burst into tears, saying that she was tired of no one listening to any word she said. What a pain, <laughs> but I didn't want to hurt her any further, so I agreed. Unbelievably, on the very next day, the video of me and Pete getting into the closet was edited and spread like wildfire. Losing their tempers, my parents decided to stop the marriage between me and David and chose Fiona as my replacement. Horrified, I tried to contact David to explain, but all I received was one message from him. I know we're nothing yet, but all this time, I've been serious about it. I'll be out of the way so that you can be with the person you truly love. Oh, David, so he was into me too? There was no doubt that my sister had gone too far this time. I decided to stop the wedding between her and David with everything I had to take back my supposed-to-be fiancé. When Fiona was preparing her wedding dress, I barged in and questioned her. If you don't love David, why do you want to marry him? To destroy you! You're always loved by everyone even though you have no talent! Fiona admitted that she was the mastermind who set me up with Pete. Then she fiercely pushed me to a nearby coat hanger. Fiona was about to slap me when a hand stopped her. Stop it! I can't believe you do this to your own sister! Unbelievably, David and his parents had overheard everything. They immediately stopped all engagement activities, and Fiona had to pay for all of her wrongdoings. Still, after everything, I couldn't bring myself to hate Fiona, so I forgave her instead. She was unfortunate enough. My parents were also publicly criticized for arranging an unwanted marriage to serve their business interests. And that, my friends, was how I solved that one big mess. After that day, I wholeheartedly expressed my feelings to David, and we officially dated each other on our own free will. Not only that, we're enjoying our racing passion together to the fullest. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.